Hey, y'all. And um, I think last <laughs> week we eliminated the word welcome. So here you go. You're on Deconversion Therapy Podcast. And I'm Bonnie. And that is Karen. I, I don't even get to talk. Nope. Because you're going to be me. talking a lot because <laughs> we are doing an intro to an interview that Karen gave with the Graceful Atheist. Yeah, he's really great, and he had actually been on one of our letter sodes because he wrote this hilarious letter about when he was working at a church, and they used to do these extravagant um, live videos where they would, like, act out different Christian songs. So Yeah, his ministry was called Action House, which just sounds like, you know, a porn house, but that's okay. <laughs> right. And the whole terminology of human video, I'm like, aren't most videos human? Like with humans it's in much it? It's different. It's, you don't know, But it's know, a live Bonnie. human video. <laughs> yeah, so I did this interview a few months ago, and a lot of people ask us what our story is, and we don't really say much on here. We give... You know, little bits and pieces, but David goes really in depth, and he actually does things professionally and thoroughly. So we <laughs> wanted to go ahead and play that for you guys after this fantastic intro. Yeah, and um, we are we're introing this so that we can have a little bit of time to backlog some some podcasts and do some new things and get some material together for you all. And I think we have some fun things coming. They've been yeah, funny to and, me. And sometimes we've had to record them over and over because we're working with technology and we're trying to improve things. And just tons of, there's so many like little fiddly things with podcasts. So we're taking this month to try and get everything coordinated. Yeah, and I am also following your lead taking this month to do... Can you guess? Meditation. Well, yeah, but I wasn't going to talk Backwards about that. Backwards running. What? <laughs> Backwards running. No, dry January. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's what no. you were going to say, but I pretended to be surprised for your benefit. Nope. I am not nope. telling you. The, I am telling you. I am not joking, is what I was going to say. And then I <laughs> combined it with telling you, uh, I promise I'm dry. My skin has changed, girl. Oh, really? That's really where I see it the most. Okay. Like, I don't feel the energy. I've dropped a little bit of weight, but I don't, like, that's where I'm, you know, that's where I go, yeah, that has made a change. Oh, that's nice. Well, I never... I wouldn't say I never drank every night because sometimes I would, but I would like, oh, maybe a four nights in a row. And then maybe that would be followed by a few nights not drinking yeah. a glass of wine. And, um, but I just thought, well, it'd be a fun thing to just do. Um, first of all, because it's very popular in England and, you know, I'll do anything they do over there because they're better than us. <laughs> why don't you leave that's, your that's royal not even family? a joke um what why don't you leave your royal family then i'd like to leave my royal family 
<laughs> um, but so dry January is where you just don't drink anything during the month of January. And sometimes you use it as a time to contemplate the feelings that come up and wonder about your dependency on alcohol. Um, yeah, for me, it's like the mind uh, tricks that happen like, oh my gosh, today was long. I deserve a drink. Like, what does that really mean to me? So I, I am not against drinking. Believe me, I really enjoy it. Um, and anyone can drink any way they want to, as long it's re- as it's responsible, as I will be doing in February. <laughs> but it is interesting to, uh, because you and I don't talk about it much on here, mm-hmm. but we are very pro anything uh, to support people's mental health. And whatever you're struggling with or whatever you've got going, we're there to definitely support you, but mostly with humor. Um but there is a serious side behind it. And sometimes, at least for me, it's like figuring out why I've thought the way I've thought. Well, and that leads me to the book that Georgia Hardstark talked about, um, The Naked Mind by Annie Grace. Have you been uh, reading Georgia that? Georgia Hardstark from the, My Favorite Murder Podcast. That's right. Our f- <laughs> favorite Our favorite podcast podcast. podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's called This Naked Mind and it is one woman's journey into stopping drinking and man she could put the liquor down or at least the see that's it yeah some of those stories I'm like well I don't totally relate to that so Uh am I does it really pertain to me and (laughs) right right and they talk about that too um but they talk a lot about the mindset of exactly what you said the I deserve this after a long day and, um, and, and that kind of mindset. So, or I've had a hard day, so I need one. So is it a reward or is it a, yeah, yeah. Like you're just using it for everything. Yeah. So really January, we say we're taking it off, but we're in the Betty Ford clinic. (laughs) We got a little Wi-Fi going here. Um, but no, I, I think it's just, it's a fascinating, it's its not even, yeah, it has health stuff to do with your body, but it's also just a fascinating like social experiment. And mm-hmm. we are coming off of how religion has been normalized to where if you're not religious, it's abnormal. And we definitely have the same thing with tons of stuff. Drinking's just one, you know, where it is just the social norm to say, and hey, let's go And now they're drinks. making crappy things that are made in China to sell at home goods that say, you know, it's wine o'clock. Uh-huh. And, and all those little clever mom things like, uh, you know, mommy juice and... Uh, yeah, it's mommy time. Yeah, yep. exactly. All right, anyway, so we are we, introducing you to what's going to be happening. <laughs> We're going to be drinking, I guess, is that's what was going to be happening. And we're taking, uh, during this month, we've launched our Patreon, and we really appreciate the people who have supported us for um, one glass of wine <laughs> a month or, you know, whatever they can do. 
I know it might be small to you, but not only does it show us we're appreciated, but I am excited about the things we're going to get to do. There are so many things about podcasting going on, and there's actually a lot of conferences about religious trauma or deconstruction, and those are the kinds of things. Like if we are asked to go to one, and we would love to be able to think about those things more seriously in the future, that would be awesome. So you can support us at Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, right? I thought you were waiting for me to finish. All right. (laughs) Dot com uh, slash deconversion. And you can find that on our website at deconversiontherapypodcast.com. You can probably find it in any of our bios. You can join our Facebook group, Deconversion Therapy. Find us on Instagram, Deconversion Therapy. And I'm not even going to tell you our Twitter handle. I'm going (laughs) to let you guess that one. And um, email us some stories about funny crap that went on with you in church. And you can do that on our website or by emailing us directly at deconversiontherapypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for your attention. And now, here am I, (laughs) listening to I, being interviewed. This is the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Graceful Atheist Podcast. My name is David, and I am trying to be the Graceful Atheist. I'm very excited about the interviews I've been doing lately. However, they have tended to be with other podcast hosts or other speakers within the secular community. I'm really interested in hearing your story. If you want to tell your story of doubt, deconstruction, or deconversion, get in touch with me at gracefulatheist at gmail.com. Please take the time to rate and review the podcast on the Apple Podcast Store. And beyond that, if you know somebody who could benefit from the podcast who would appreciate hearing the stories of doubt, deconstruction, and deconversion, let them know about the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Let's build this community. On to today's show. My guest today is Karen. Karen is a comedian, a writer, and the co-host and creator of the wildly popular podcast, The Deconversion Therapy Podcast. Karen, with her co-host Bonnie on The Deconversion Therapy Podcast, take a sardonic and humorous look at growing up evangelical. As you'll hear in the conversation, Karen and I discuss how comedy and self-deprecation can be therapeutic. Being able to laugh at ourselves and the things that we believed helps to release some of the tension and trauma that we can hold from growing up evangelical. Karen tells her story of growing up in evangelicalism. To quote her, she says, Everyone had a talent, and I was good at being a Christian. Karen ultimately went into the mission field with YWAM after doing DTS and was in Thailand when the unexpected laughter of the Thai girls shook her out of her stupor, and she began to question if the people she was supposedly serving really needed her westernized Christianity. She continued her deconstruction after reading Bart Ehrman's Misquoting Jesus, and as they say, the rest is history. 
While Karen is a natural-born comedian, I am a natural-born audience. I've left in a little more of my maniacal laughter in this particular episode. I hope that doesn't bother everyone. But I really appreciated Karen's sense of humor, and I just wanted that to come across within the podcast. And now, without further ado, I give you Karen of the Deconversion Therapy Podcast. Karen, welcome to the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Thanks. I'm thrilled to be here. I love your show. Love what you're doing. I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm a huge fan. For the one or two listeners in my audience who don't know, Karen is the co-host of the Deconversion Therapy podcast. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really love what you guys are doing. Uh, I think one of the more powerful things to kind of break the spell of, of being locked into faith is humor. And you guys bring that with uh, just a joy that comes through in your podcast. And I absolutely love that. Great. Well, you know, it's about all that we are talented enough to do, I would say, where you dive in deep. I think for us, we've always just been crack ups. So we've combined <laughs> what we want to talk about with being ridiculous and having a good time. So. Yeah. Well, and self-deprecating humor, though, I think I try to do this a little bit myself. You know, when I'm saying, here are the ridiculous things that I used mm -hmm. to think. And, and ultimately, what we're saying is, I was wrong. Exactly. You know, somebody where a, a direct attack, a debate style attack, people are, their defenses go up. But when you get them laughing, oh, right. <laughs> they have an opportunity to think about it. So True. Yeah, we hope that's Absolutely. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. So, Karen, I really want to hear uh, some of your story. Uh, you know, you guys tell a fair amount of it on on your podcast. Uh, I think we grew up in the same time period, kids in the 80s. Mm -hmm. I really love that part, too. Kind of a, it's a, a Gen X, if you will, perspective. That <laughs> That's right. David, I looked so much like Amy Grant. I got the perm. I got the jacket with, like, the graphic details. Yeah. Roll up those sleeves, 80s. All that the way. was so awesome. <laughs> so tell us a bit about uh, your, your faith background, though. So was your family uh, super religious? And when did you start to recognize that you were, you know, a Christian, that, that it was something that you personally right. took on? Well, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, and I happened to grow up in a very large church, one of the first mega churches before they called it that. Yeah. Our pastor, one of our main pastors in my teen years, my formative years for Christianity, that is, is now on President Trump's spiritual advisory team. And so he's very powerful, very wow. charismatic. But I grew up at that church, and you know, you're there Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. Then they had an elementary school attached to the church. Right. So I went there. Yeah. So that was everything I knew. And when I was about, I keep saying seven, but then I'm like, was I really as brilliant as I think? It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have a feeling I was not, but I remember feeling, I want to become a Christian. I want to walk up. There was a we had an outdoor, beautiful, you know, probably worth a million bucks even then. Now I want to call it a stadium. I've been gone so long. A yeah. chapel that's outside on a lake. 
and a evangelist was there. And he really sort of spoke to me, wanted to go up. And one of the pastors thought I was too young, told me to read Romans 8. So I went home, read it, and then I went to my parents and quoted the whole thing. Yeah. And everybody was like, okay, she's ready. So (laughs) yeah, I became a Christian then. And, you know, a little later in life, you do the rededication of your life, you know, just to make sure everything took. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, altar calls are kind of a big thing in uh, Southern Baptists, are they not? They do one every service, which I didn't realize other churches didn't. Yeah. I, I mean, it's that's the joke that we say now that it's really a shame all the other churches all their people aren't going to heaven like we were. Right. You know, and poor person, David, if you're sitting in a Methodist church and you want to become a Christian, they don't alter call you. Yeah. You get hit by a bus. Oh, well, I'm so sorry. It's just too bad. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of being hit by a bus, do you remember the uh, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, something to that effect? What was this was yeah this, is, this is, sounds right up your your guys alley there was you're this, triggering uh, me this play yeah. that uh, uh, churches put on probably mid nineties that would just go through that kind of scenario like people talking to each other well I'm not a Christian and then suddenly they would get hit by yes, a bus yes <laughs> yeah and it was always the bus oh, like how goodness. many yeah. buses are there yeah right and just absolutely it was uh, painful to watch even right, as a person right. at the time like it was painful to watch so. yeah 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 we watched all those films a thief in the night where yeah. you know here comes Armageddon and the whole scenario of would you take a bullet for Christ? Would you die for Christ? And they'd really turn off the lights and get you into it. You know, just some, you know, light psychological torture done <laughs> by people right. who have no education and how to deal with that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So we're making light of this, but uh, you ultimately became a missionary. I did. And and what led to that? What what kind of, how did you make that decision? And Well, if I say it with hindsight, it's a different story. Sure. So I'll tell it with no sight whatsoever. I I think I wanted to do the ultimate. Like I was always very good at Christianity. Mm. My friends, my brother, everyone had a talent that they were good at. And I was good at being a Christian. I stuck with the morals. I really, you know, I was always praying, always singing in my mind, always reading the Bible and and having it touch my heart. And so I think it was my junior year at a Southern Baptist college that was connected to my church. You see where this is. Yes, yes, yes. I opened up our mailbox, and do you remember, well, it's still around probably, CCM Magazine, that was the Christian music magazine where you would see all the hit musicians in it, and it had a packet of those blow-in cards where, you know, you could send in to find out about different things, and one was a mission organization where I could get college credit. So I did that with Youth with a Mission between my junior and senior year, and that was it. I felt called. Right. Nowadays, with hindsight, I would agree that I got called, but what I got called to is adventure 
meaning, purpose, travel. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And helping people. I do want to help people, always have. So when I graduated, I went on with that organization and they do a DTS, which is called a Discipleship Training School. Yeah. Six months of deep dive. And we can get into that and how manipulative it was and harmful in many ways. Yeah, I have a, a couple of personal friends who were in YWAM, and it sounds like just an, a very intense experience and mm-hmm. very much a, um, I guess I could say cult-like in that, you know, exactly. yeah, you just, there's no variation and right. sense of uh, being trapped almost. <laughs> so was that yeah. your experience? It was very, I hadn't experienced charismatic things in in the church and how to worship in that way. So to me, it looked freeing when people are raising their hands and praising Jesus or crying. It was very attractive to me. And then as it got more intense and they'd bring in these speakers, one of the most harmful things I experienced is something that they still do where they talk for a week about the, the Father God. Mm-hmm. and how you see God as you do your earthly father. People were crying. They were upset because they were distant from their father. Their father abandoned them. Their, you right. know, all these things that would correlate with how they felt about God. My dad is great. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. And yeah. they drilled in. They're like, no, there's something. There's yeah. something. So I ended up correlating how I felt about God onto my own earthly father. Yeah. And that was not a good thing for me to really be like, well, I didn't think I have a problem. Let me find one. Yeah. Oh, let's find one in my relationship with my father. Wow. Yeah. They had very intense things like that, that they weren't prepared to deal with any of these young kids going through this. So. Yeah, it's interesting the way you describe that. It's like an evangelist or a prophet, quote unquote, will use cold reading. And Mm -hmm. an obvious one would be father issues. Right. Had I been in there, I would have I would have been weeping in the corner. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And there were people. I mean, it's a difficult topic. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's amazing then you have a great relationship with your dad and they're like, no, 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 it has to be broken. That's right. Right. We are going to ruin your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult. I had another one come through another prophet and it was all about sexual stuff because you got to hit that up. Yeah. And he's like, well, you're American. I know you've done some. (laughs) And I was just floored. I was like, you know what? I'm probably the only American that really stuck with, you know, the whole no sex right. situation up to that. It's it's what it is, but I did meet my husband. Okay. Yeah. So that was one good thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's very cool. Uh, and so then did you come back to to college then after that or or did you did you do multiple years? What was that like? So I did a short one between my junior and senior year. Then I did the longer one after I graduated. Okay. I wanted to 
continue on, but my parents were a bit nervous, which I can understand. We didn't have, okay, let's age ourselves. We didn't have (laughs) access to the internet like we do now, Skyping, Zoom. We didn't have cell phones like we do now. So I think they wanted to make sure I was okay. I'd been in India. I've been you know, all these places where I'm like, guess what? I've been having diarrhea for 14 days. Oh, no. You know, and they'd be like, let's get you checked out. Yeah. So I think they wanted to see me for a little bit. Yeah. But that's what I wanted to do. I married my husband and he and I went to Thailand. We felt God was telling us Thailand. Yeah. And the way God told us Thailand is we'd go to the library one day, just looking around, there'd be a book on Thailand laying on the table, David. Yeah, that's got to be a sign. <laughs> it is. It's God speaking to us. So we just sold everything, packed up, moved there, ran into people the first day, and I had graduated with an English degree, so they wanted someone to write their English curriculum because I think a lot of missionaries at least know how this works. You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't do anything to break the commandments unless it's for the kingdom of heaven. Right. (laughs) Yes. So we had an, and I am doing air quotes, we had an English tutoring facility that was really just a few missionaries who taught some of the Thai university students who would come in very cheaply. Mm -hmm. Friendship evangelism. We invite them back for club night on the weekend where my husband's a musician. He would sing like old boys to men songs and everyone would be like, oh my gosh, I love (laughs) this. And then there would be a mini sermon yeah so it was it was a cover right you know that's what we were doing and I did that for almost a year we did that so you you almost threw away the line you you effectively sold everything (laughs) and (laughs) moved to a foreign country I mean that's that's pretty staggering I, I don't know that people appreciate especially maybe the people who are secular and have been all their lives the kind of dedication that you're describing, uh, even though we're laughing and joking about it. Yeah. You really put everything you had into moving and what you felt at the time was what God was asking you to do. Exactly. And I think, again, looking back, one, we didn't have a whole lot, but also you would look at circumstances in your life. You know, our car got totaled. Well, you know, that's all right. We'll get the insurance money. That'll be part of us going. Mm -hmm. Um, Husband hated his job at the moment. You know, now's a good time. So you feel God's leading you, but it's also these intersecting circumstances that are happening. Right. And I'm not saying it wasn't a big sacrifice because it was, but I'm a hundred percent person. When I was a Christian, I was a hundred percent in. Now that I'm doing the podcast, it's I'm a hundred percent that isn't always a good quality. It's a little bit obsessive. But the adventure <laughs> of going and telling people about the greatest thing that's ever happened in the universe, yeah, it seemed like a no-brainer. 
So I always start with these kinds of stories to establish all the the believers in our lives that will say, well, you probably were never really a Christian. You never really believed. <laughs> I would love, can I say bad words to that? Yeah, oh, but, yeah. All, all, all. yeah, that is the best way for them to rationalize. I know Joshua Harris, who wrote, I Kissed Dating Goodbye and is now deconverting himself he is getting that and it's being written in national places I got that and I would get that by people I didn't know people's Mm -hmm. husbands would write me and just say there's no way you could have turned away from God if you really knew how great he is right and I want to say I did not want to turn away from God that is the last thing I wanted to ever happen because it can destroy your identity and your life and your emotions for quite a few years. I want to be forgiven for anything. I want (laughs) to live forever. I want to see my parents again. You know, why would I not want to believe? Yeah, I always say it would make my life much simpler. Uh, my wife is still a believer. I, I love her dearly. Right. Uh, it would simplify my life tremendously if I could, but it, yeah. it's not a choice. Exactly. I mean, community, you know, macaroni and cheese every Wednesday night, yeah. like everything <laughs> about it can be yeah. very beneficial, even to our health and well being, according to science. But unfortunately, there's the other part of the science, which yes. just negates it. The guilt and the shame, and <laughs> those right. things are not so good for you. Yeah. No, no, exactly. <laughs> so we skipped ahead just a little bit. When did you start to have doubts or what were the first things that put cracks in the ironclad faith that you had? Again, looking back at it, when I was in Thailand, I would be in this room teaching about six Thai girls. They were great. They were funny. They told me, I, you are more pretty than Mariah Carey. <laughs> I yes. don't know what that means, but, <laughs> you know, if I'm being flattered to them, everything was going good. Well, that's a huge compliment. <laughs> I know. I sing like her too. So we were forming this bond and they said something about all Americans being Christians. And I said, oh, no, no. You know, not all Americans are Christians. It's a personal belief. It's not a state belief. Mm -hmm. And I said, but most Americans do believe you only have one life. And they laughed in such a genuine, innocent laughing as in she's told a joke that's unbelievable that it really sort of. I don't know. I guess planting a seed would be it. Okay. Because walking around Thailand also, I was told that people didn't have joy if they didn't have Jesus. And there were more happy people there than there are anywhere in America. Go to a shopping center there, laughing, having a good time, smiling here, people yelling at their kids and, you know. So there were just these small things I began to see. And then that their religion outdates ours, that there were these issues that I thought I need to become 
more educated. Wow. You know, I knew my Bible. I'd been to a Christian college that told Old and New Testament, but I wanted to know more so that I could come at people yes. and be like, well, actually, doodly do, and you're wrong. Yeah. That was, that's a, a big no-no if you want to stay a Christian. Just listen to the verses as told by the pastor. Research is a terrible thing. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I described something similar where, so I went to Bible college and I did a lot of studying, but uh, somehow I was still convincing myself, using all that knowledge to continue to convince myself. But it was much later where I started to think, someone has clearly solved these inconsistencies somewhere or clearly solved these unanswered uh, uh, questions somewhere. I'm not smart enough to figure that out, but someone right. has, surely. And so I, I began to go and look for those answers. And Did you, did you go look at Bart? <laughs> at Bart? Uh, I eventually, yeah, I looked at Bart a, a little bit, yeah. But I mean, I mean, I even mean just the apologists, reading Christian apologists. And oh. as I've said before on the podcast, I was convinced of the conclusion already, mm-hmm. but I started to recognize how terrible the arguments were. Like right. I realized that the arguments were bad. Yeah. Even though I thought I agreed with them. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just commiserating that. <laughs> I agree. For the Christians that are listening, don't research. That's a terrible thing. <laughs> right. And definitely, I, I was also an English major. And then later I got my, it's called Master of Fine Arts at a uh, liberal college. And I mean liberal as in just non-Christian, basically. Right, right, right. In Vermont. And the idea of having secondary sources became an issue when I discussed Mm. the Bible to myself because I wanted to point to something else to say, look, there's proof. And as you know, there are no secondary sources to Jesus living, although there are letters and manuscripts by the people mentioned in the Bible, Caesar and so forth. Right. They forget to mention Jesus. Yeah. So, And I think the the interesting thing about approaching from a critical whether that's literary or scientific or historical or what have you is that you're willing to look at the negative evidence if you read apologists today or at any time in, in christian history they're desperate to grab the little fig leaves that, <laughs> that appear to give them credence like you talk about secondary sources like josephus or or whomever, these are terrible sources. They're terrible sources. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and a critical scholar immediately throws those out or gives them very, very low credence. Exactly. And if they were better, they would have been canonized in the first place right. in some way. Yeah. So it, it is very difficult. And most people come at you and say, well, it's about my personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they override all of the things that we study. Yeah. And then you begin to realize that can be true, but it can be true about a, a lot of experiences you have. And again, when you go 
and become a missionary. There was an older missionary in Thailand. He was not very friendly, which I did not appreciate. Yeah. Almost territorial, which is ironic. Okay. And he said, be careful because a lot of missionaries, uh, Satan gets to them and they lose their faith. Well, that was ridiculous to me. But now I see why. When you see a group of people who have been existing just fine without overweight, privileged, you know, (laughs) uh, stuffy Westerners going over there and telling them we happen to know the truth, then you begin to be humbled yourself. Yeah. I had a pastor, my pastor, before I went to Bible college, warned me about getting a Bible college education. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. yep. And I think it was true, right? Like they, they yep. you know, it took me a long time. I'm sorry it took that long, but like, you know, they did teach me critical thinking. Exactly. Do you remember since we're of the same era where they would say the difference between knowing who God is and being a Christian or whatever is 12 inches, the distance between your head and your heart. Yes. As in... Get it out of your head, go right yeah. to your heart, which sounded great then. Yeah, my, my problem was like, so I got, I became a Christian as a teenager. And so my heart was won by the, the character of Jesus. You know, I love right. this. I love this, this person who hung out with sinners and harlots. And <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But then I very quickly got into Bible college and reading Paul and systematic theology. And so that just engaged all my problem solving brain, you know, in this bubble environment. And I think that's what, what took me so long. So I'm going to ask you a Bible question, which I will probably not know, (laughs) but go ahead. (laughs) What do you think Paul's thorn in his side was? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. I have no idea. What I can say is that every Christian interprets Paul's thorn in the side as their own sin, whatever it is that they struggle with. Right. Somebody with sexual sin or pornography, that it's pornography, somebody with what have you, whatever your thing is that you cannot get rid of, Mm -hmm. uh, that's the thing you interpret as as Paul's thorn in his side. I've always wondered if it was homosexuality just because he wasn't married. He had a lot to say about women. He had a lot to say about homosexuality. And I'm just uh, not a scholar and people are going to bomb my house now. But I've always wondered, what was it? Well, that's entirely possible. Yeah. And now that we do have secondary sources or different things about Caesar saying that he was most likely bisexual, like it was, it wasn't a hidden situation like it is now. But who knows? I'm going to start a podcast. (laughs) Paul was gay. It's going to go over well. Well, and I'm fascinated by, uh, and and be interested in your experience when you were a Christian for women who read Paul, there's just inherent race or excuse me, sexism built into what he's saying. That is clearly not what we in the Bible college world would call supracultural. It's built into what he's saying. Right. What was your experience of that as a woman at the time? Did you recognize that this, that didn't feel right? Were you angry at Paul? I think Paul was really our 
mini Jesus. You know, he was the one that was really telling us how to feel, what to think, what to do. When I deconverted, one of the huge issues for me was when I realized Paul never met Jesus. Right. (laughs) Blew my freaking mind. I was like, why did I always think that? But I think we had a way, again, of rationalizing, oh, the thing about covering your head or not speaking, a lot of that is just the culture of the time. Mm-hmm. But now we are going to pull forward the submissive wife. And I would do these little, I love going to the Christian bookstore. They were all the thing at the mall. You could get like this cool t-shirt that was tie-dye and said something that you thought would make people think I'm Christians while you're just walking in it. But they had different Bible study books. And one very popular at the time was called A Virtuous Woman. It had flowers and pinkness. Yeah. And there was a Bible. There was a women's devotional Bible that I think still around that would have things in there from Ruth Graham and different devotionals. So you really wanted to embrace your womanhood. I was becoming less shy in college. I was becoming more confident. But to me, that did not clash with how I could one day be a submissive wife, Hmm. which seemed to be the end goal. The end goal for nearly every woman in Bible school or, or Christian college is, how can I make myself and change myself so that one day, I can be the proper helpmeet to my husband. <laughs> yeah, how can I change myself? There's there's where you went wrong. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So I wasn't about long dresses. I wasn't about any of that. I was still, you know, uh, we all believed that there could be powerful women in Christ. But we forgot that the glass ceiling would have been the wife of a minister. Uh, So after uh, Thailand and you're starting to have doubts, uh, how long did it take you to kind of say it out loud, as it were, admit to yourself that you you no longer believe? Wow. I I do have a hard time putting putting my finger on it. But I know when we returned from the mission field, we actually came to the States. My husband's not American. He's Australian. So we came to the States. We had no money. We were working whatever jobs we could. And we couldn't find a church because once you've lived overseas a bit, you see how frivolous everything is. Yeah. You walk into a church, you see how much money they spend on everything that could have fed a family for years in another right. country. So we were having a hard time with a reverse culture shock. And I think that gave us the beginning of distance. Yeah. We would go to different churches, hear them say things and just go, gosh, you know, that's just so American privileged. Or we just weren't feeling that things were as authentic as when we were overseas. That became some distance to us. My husband started deconverting before me and it broke my heart. I thought we were going to have to divorce. Oh, wow. I would pray to God, to take care of us, a hedge of protection, all those magical words. Yes, the incantations. 
That's it. Which yes. are all very superstitious, although yeah. we're not allowed to be superstitious. <laughs> and so I think it was definitely hmm, up to 10 years or more, even though I wasn't going all the way to church, but I really prayed crying, God, do not let me die. If you really love me, you'll let me ask these questions and look them up Mm, without me dying and going to hell. That was my big fear that I couldn't even examine some of the questions I had. Right. Because something bad, the bus would come along, yeah. hit me <laughs> yes. while I'm questioning. So yeah. that was my prayer every day. And the further I went along going, I didn't die today. Yeah. Or I had some joy about something. Or I didn't pray before my meal. And it tasted the same. <laughs> Whatever it was. Yes. That slow process, yeah, I I wish I could point a finger. I always say, you know the day that you became a Christian because it's instantaneous, but the unraveling of the faith takes years and decades. Yeah. My best description of this is a phase transition, just like, you know, water going from liquid to a solid. There's all kinds of change going on under the hood, so to speak. Right. Uh, But then it almost seems instantaneous at the end where crystallization happens and bam, it's a, it's a different thing. You know, it's the same way I, I, you know, I felt like it was over a very long period of time where I was asking the questions internally, but not really being willing to accept the answers. And then just, and for me, it was more, it felt more instantaneous. One day it was like, Oh, I I don't believe anymore. (laughs) Right. Right. I wish I could remember the day. I do remember getting asked to a Bible study that a friend was leading and I wasn't into it. And then I went and it was all about Jesus' love, how much he loves us, how loving he is, how he's perfect love, 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 love. And I asked the question, how do we interpret him running through the temple with a whip at the merchant's? I know that it's righteous anger, but how do we correlate that with this love thing? And I was very serious. I really wanted to know. And they shut me down instantly. And I think that became another part where I said, I am not like these people. And once I realized that Christians and I are no longer on the same quote team, then yeah. One one of the question that that leaps to mind is since your husband deconverted first, mm-hmm. do you remember a conversation at some point along the line where where you said, "I'm on your team," so to speak? Like, you know, how did how did that uh, develop? For right. You? Well, I think you know you just made me realize this when you said you had an instant day. Uh, men are trained to be leaders in Christ. And that leadership feeling is already ingrained in you. So maybe that's why you have a specific day where you, you know, you walked where women are told to be submissive. And maybe it takes a lot longer because we've trained ourselves to disregard 
our feelings and our doubts and what we think and what we want to say. Yeah. So much so that even our minds don't let us say some things. So that could have been it. But I remember my husband just saying, I don't think I believe anymore. Yeah. It's scaring the shit out of me. Yeah. Breaking my heart. And he would just say, you know, I just, I think you can go to a church service and you're getting carried away with emotion. And a lot of the things that we're feeling are just the way uh, everything's planned. Now he was a musician. He was a musician in church and especially in the charismatic church. If you go to one, those dissonant notes that they play, that's almost like this ancient shanty weird stuff he knew how to manipulate that and how it manipulates the audience absolutely yeah so i think he was on that side of things and and was like it's all a manipulation game so i remember him telling me that and i just i don't think i thought he was taken over by satan or anything (laughs) yeah so i was that far gone already myself because i would have thought that before right But I remember, yes, I remember him saying that. I remember our long conversations. I remember us saying, let's not talk about this anymore. I just can't. There are places we cannot discuss because it hurts too much. Right. Yeah. So I'm sorry if I'm poking at something painful here, but... No, it's good. Do you then recognize a time in which your mind had begun to change? How did that conversation go? So when you decided you no longer believe. Right. I think there was, we tried to go to church about 16 years ago. There was a cool church, as in they were Methodist. They didn't believe that the Bible was specific. Uh And we went to it because I was afraid if my kids didn't go to church, like if there was a hell And I live in the South, so my kids later were told they're going to hell because everyone hears, oh, yeah, (laughs) praying in in the public school. I can go on and on. Yeah. But we went to church. Luckily, our kids were horrified. They never wanted to be away from us with playing with little kids. But we couldn't find a Sunday school we wanted because I'm not... I'm not a cutesy person. So like the women were just doing, you know, these like cutesy studies that I knew I would not relate to. Yeah. And then we found one of the classes that I wanted to be in. And my husband did. Elderly people, some on oxygen tanks. (laughs) Every time we prayed and went around the room, it was for someone's broken hip. I mean, they were... We were in our 30s. They were 70 and older, but a lot of them were retired professors at a university nearby. And I taught at that university. So I think someone said, oh, well, maybe you'll want to go with some ex-professors in there. Guess what they were studying? Bart Ehrman's misquoting Jesus. Oh, wow. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. This didn't look like a Bible study to me. I opened the book and it's like, Jesus didn't say this. This wasn't true. Scholars say that 
this part of a whole chapter didn't exist till 300 years later. There's no original Bible. It went on and on. And I think these people were underground atheists (laughs) meeting and maybe just, you know, enjoying the fellowship. Yeah. But once I had that book in my hand, I think that was the jump off point. Because I think there was something in there about the verse, go into all the world preaching the gospel, that had been manipulated later. And I thought, I built my whole, quote, spiritual career on something that was manipulated and wasn't, that was sort of it. The ending of Mark is not in the original manuscripts. One of my favorite stories is the woman caught in adultery, the whole, he who has no sin cast the first stone. That's right. totally not in the original manuscripts. Awesome. <laughs> so, so yeah, those kinds of things are just devastating when you, when you learn those facts. That's right. I remember very distinctly who I call a smart pastor, a pastor who knows Greek, knows Hebrew, and he was going through that passage and he just obliquely referenced yeah, this isn't found in the the earliest manuscripts, but this is God's word. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, was, exactly. I was like, you know, you're the you're supposed to be the intellectual person that I look up to, and it's like that it's just not true. So <laughs> right, you know, right. I, you know, you you start to recognize how much people are fudging the truth to make this all stick together and work. Yes, and then you look into other things and. You know, the flood story, what the Muslims have that too? What the hell is going on? So, uh, and the creation stories nearly in every religion. So I think that's what really turns me is that book. Interesting. Okay, so let's fast forward just a bit. So you and your co-host, Bonnie, I think you guys grew up together or you were in school together occasionally? Uh, Yes. When did you decide that uh, you wanted to start doing the deconversion therapy podcast? So her grandparents lived on the same street that we moved to, and they strollered her up when she was one. (laughs) Now, supposedly, it is my fault that she even became a Christian because her mother was a single mother And so Bonnie hung out at our house a lot. Then we went to church. And then the mother's like, where should she go to school? Oh, we'll go to this Christian elementary. So that's how she got involved. She was, she had critical thinking early on. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. (laughs) I did not. Okay. But we have been very close most of our lives And we would joke about all the things that would happen in church. And at one point, it hasn't been said on our podcast really yet, but Bonnie had an important part in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And after she left, she wanted to write a screenplay and we wanted to do it about just the funny things in youth group. Yeah. How you had to bring $2 for pizza each time. And if there wasn't enough pieces, you know, there was always just the pizza cutter to sort of cut those in half. (laughs) Like the thinnest slice you've ever had in your life. And just all the funny, quirky things. And we tried to write that, but 
I don't know, life got in the way. But we would talk about those things on the phone. And then she and I were huge fans, still are, of a podcast called My Favorite Murder, which is about true crime. Mm-hmm. Two women comedians, they talk about horrific things, but then they use their humor around it. Never on the victims, just right. fun, fun things. And she had been bugging me. She'd been saying, let's do a podcast. And again, I'm very 100%. I knew once I did that. Ugh. So I'd been writing a book about all my things. Okay. In a humorous tone. And then I'm like, you know what? If we do a podcast that's similar to all that, then let's do it. That would help me in writing my book. So we started off, we did a few terrible, terrible episodes. <laughs> okay. We didn't know what we were doing. The microphones were falling apart, you know. But we're slowly trying to see how we want it to formulate. Like you've always had a great formula. I think you knew what you were doing at the beginning. Uh, oh, I don't think that's true at all. But, <laughs> but thank you. I was just going to say, I think... Your podcast is so well-produced. You have a specific topic that you're on. You really hit that hard. You've got your, your listener write-ins and things. I think you guys do just an amazing job. It's, it's really well-produced. I want to learn from you how, how you do what you do. So. Well, <laughs> then you and I are a big mess. Yes, because <laughs> it is. You know, you're learning something. I've always loved to learn. I've always loved to try new things, yeah. which really indicates why becoming a foreign missionary was something that interested me. Yeah. But I think it's something where we can let loose. You look at these things and you're just shocked what's going on in the world and how it relates to Christianity or vice versa. So Bonnie didn't know the world as much as I did. She wanted to be a sidekick, but we're trying definitely to make it equal. She is researching these things I've known about. My husband said, she's cussing more. She's <laughs> more angry. She, like, she's seeing this unbelievable stuff and going, oh my God. No, I really think that that's very fresh. She brings a really interesting perspective of, like you say, freshly researching these things in her right her kind of imminent response to the, this new knowledge is fun. And it's, then it's fun to hear your response as well, having, you know, lived through those things or you've, you've been around uh, the the craziness. Right. Right. And it's, it's interesting to get to know each other on a deeper level. Cause as I say, she won't know Christian. So when she's (laughs) like, I never, you know, we get into the Christian music and I'm like, Oh my God, I would close my eyes, say every word, feel it to my soul, cry sometimes. So we just joke back and forth, yeah, about that. There's always fodder out there, always a scandal, always a strange cult, never going to lose, you know, topics. Yeah, you're never going to run out of material for sure. No, yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, let me just say on Mike that if you write that book, I will buy it, so. (laughs) Why don't you buy it now? It's in my mind. Okay. <laughs> send money now. Yeah, yeah. Like build it and they will come. That's right. Now, I have been working on that off and on for a while because it's just people don't understand 
if they've never been in Christianity, they are bewildered. They don't know what to ask. So I've had a few friends just be like, what? Yeah. You, you guys did what? How? Huh? So I want to fill in some of those gaps, but just in a fun way. You title the podcast Deconversion Therapy. And I really think that the comedy is therapeutic because you and Bonnie are able to make fun of yourselves, make fun of the things that you used to believe, the things that you used to do, as well as the craziness around us, all the charlatans. Right. (laughs) I think that releases people to look at themselves and laugh at themselves a little bit. I know you get a lot of listener response. Have you been surprised by the reactions? Does anything stick out to you that you... Totally. I just got another two today. We get them off and we, one, we're shocked anyone's listening. Yeah, it, me too. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, not your, your podcast, my podcast. I know, I, <laughs> I, I know what you mean, even though you have total reason for people to listen to you. It is shocking when you're producing it yourself. And I think a lot of people need humor. We didn't we didn't start off doing anything except let's have some fun with ourselves and then we realized this is something that could be missing in the podcasting arena or the helping arena because when people are deconstructing or they're just interested in what goes on in Christianity There are some very serious things. People are being shunned. They're Mm -hmm. suicidal. A lot's going on. And to just relax for a minute can help them. It gives hope in this odd way. Yeah. We're laughing. We're okay. You can laugh at these things. You're going to be okay. I think it offers that small little little bit of light to them, hopefully. Absolutely. And I think you've identified something that's really important. Your voice is unique in the secular world. One of the reasons I want to start my podcast as well is everybody's got a debate show. Everybody's got a Mm -hmm. five-point intellectual argument of why God doesn't exist. And it's like, I get that. And that actually speaks to me in a lot of ways. But there's this vast swath of people out here that that does not speak to. <laughs> right. What I love about your podcast is that it is fresh. It, it's got some snark to it for sure, but it's also got a lot of heart. And there's something about self-deprecation, right? About pointing it at yourself. Yes. We always want to make fun of ourselves and not Christians. Although, yeah, I do skip over the line once in a while, but Absolutely. Yeah, but you're mostly punching up, right? You're punching up at the Jim Bakers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, who couldn't, right? Well, I think both of us, whether I knew this to begin with, we're building a community for people to say, now I can belong somewhere. Yeah. You're showing them with every podcast you let out, look, there's someone else like you. Look, here's another one. Here's another one. Yeah. And that gives them a community to fit right in and say, okay, I've left the church. I've left that huge supportive area. Now, you know, I've got this. Plus, they they learn so much from your guests on what they can do. 
As do I. I when, again, one of the reasons or the reason that I do this is totally selfish. <laughs> I'm with you. Because I needed uh, an outlet, right? Mm-hmm. And I went through my deconversion around 2015, read a stack of books, Christian and atheist, just consumed everything. Right. <laughs> and then looked around and saw what I just described, that there was just all this debate culture. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I was interested briefly, but then you move on. It's like, okay, okay, I'm convinced of the argument. Let's move on. Right. <laughs> what about now? What do I do now? That's kind of the impetus of the podcast. And I get to learn from the people I interview, people like you. Every story is unique. Every story, there are some similar, similarities. There's some touch points that it seems to be very common for people. But also we all we bring totally different experiences and a different perspective. And, and I learn every time I get to chat with somebody. That's great. Yeah. And I think that's for those of us who are deep into Christianity, the idea of learning you know, we had our, our concordance, our Bible concordance, and we look up what verse references what. So I think it's an ongoing learning situation. We weren't nominal Christians. Right. We were, we dove in. Yeah. We were swimming in that. So it continues on afterwards. And I think you're doing a, a great job. I love what you're doing. And I love how friendly and welcoming you are because, as we've said, there are people in different phases of this deconstruction. Yes. And that denial, that anger, that debating is perfectly fine. And then there are some of us in a different phase. And that takes too much energy at this point for me. Well, sorry, we've devolved into... (laughs) Praising I, each other here. But, uh, I, I know. Clap, claps for us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just a, you know, we're both podcasters. You're not yeah, interviewing, yeah. you know, so we get to look at each other's work and be like, oh, I like that. Oh, he's doing it. Off mic, you can criticize uh, me. You can tell me. <laughs> what Terrible guy. Yeah. So to try to just come back for a brief moment. Have there been any listener responses or emails that you get that really touched you or really surprised you that of the effectiveness of your podcast? Okay. Yes. I think we have some people that, one, don't miss a thing and write us if we're, you know, an hour late with something. Right. <laughs> yes. But I did get something yesterday that I wouldn't mind sharing. Sure. I got a DM from someone and I recognized her name from following us. And she has been a a listener for a while. And she said that we've really somewhat helped her with community and and all these things. And she said, Mm -hmm. I wanted you to know, because I feel like we're all friends. Mm Mm-hmm that I did something really big yesterday. And she sent me an article. It's in, I think, some Madison newspaper, I'm assuming Wisconsin. And she's come out publicly talking about the sexual abuse she received at a Calvary Gospel Church in Madison. There, she started a blog. There are nine other women who've come forward they're wanting to get more national attention about it. But 
it really touched me because I know I don't get to hear these stories as much as you do. We don't interview people. Mm -hmm. So when we hear just the horrible things that have happened to people in the name of the church. Yes. It's astonishing. I'm very fortunate I didn't experience that. But that she would come and that she trusts us and that we provide for her a levity and that she feels she's sitting around the table with us was really touching. Uh, and we've gotten a few similar ones where people said, I did not know there were podcasts out there that I can listen to. And now you've opened a world for that. Right. And I think that there are quite a few people who've been on the fence about their belief system and they've started listening to the podcast and we might have uh, shoved them a little further. Yeah, it's just more information. Just the fact that people who were dedicated Christians and who decided that it wasn't true, just that that, that fact alone is very powerful. It is. It is. So, yeah, I think offering that kind of community and the listener letters where they feel they can be heard is important to some people. So they write us and, and thank us for that, which is really nice. One last topic I wanted to bring up is because we are Gen X and a lot of the online community is millennial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you experience this, but there are times where I feel like an imposter. Like I, I, I don't always want to engage because I feel like ah, I'm old. <laughs> yes. But I think we also, I don't want to sound paternalistic, but with some age, you've got a little more perspective, a little more uh, wisdom. Is there an aspect of you and Bonnie, the voice that you have that maybe the, your younger listeners can gain some wisdom from? Do you know what I'm saying? No, I, I hear what you're saying, and I totally agree with you. I feel too old sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at the point in my life where I look in the mirror and go, who is that? Um, so in our minds, both Bonnie and I feel very young, immature, and that's what's unique about us doing it together because we did know each other yeah. from when we were young, so we see each other that way. And when we hear each other's voices, we're 16 or 10 or whatever again. Yeah, yeah. Our logo is Charlie's Angels because we played it all the time. That's awesome. And had all the dolls and whatnot. So there's that part that I do feel, how are we going to relate to this younger generation? And I'm surprised that we do have listeners that are younger I think that they listen to podcasts in a different way than we do. It is background noise to their life sometimes if they're not watching YouTube or whatever, where my age group would seek something out, do a little research on it yeah, and listen to it for content. So I am seeing a tad of a difference, but I really feel that we can... We are bound together, not only by the message, but by the humor. Mm-hmm. So even if they feel, oh, those ladies are older, uh, we haven't heard anyone say, you know, just retire and die already. <laughs> you know, they want to know these things. Yeah. And plus, the 80s 
That was the pioneering time for churches and youth groups of today. Yes. So everything that was going on there, where we were like, you know what we should name our group on Wednesday night? Impact. (laughs) Let's call it Synergy. No, (laughs) let's call it. So all these things that they've inherited, we had in the origin. Right. And I think that's what maybe crosses that bridge because there's not a lot that's new, I hate to say, since since we were were in youth group. They still do the same silly games. They still do scare tactics. They still talk every single time about sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. So if you weren't thinking of sex going into church, you were thinking it coming out. (laughs) Yes. Do not think about this white elephant. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Exactly. And then I understand that you guys have a Facebook group for people. Do you want to talk about that at all? Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So I like Instagram, deconversion therapy, terrible on Twitter, but whatever. And then Facebook, people can like our page, Deconversion Therapy Podcast. Mm -hmm. But if they also want to go somewhere secret and say things and post memes, just look up Deconversion Therapy and you'll see a closed group. I ask two questions. What are your beliefs? And I don't, you know, we have Christians in there, Mm -hmm. Jewish. And then do you listen to the podcast? Mm-hmm. I don't care if they say no. I don't care if they say not yet. It just gives, uh, you're, you have to ask questions because Facebook says it. So you can write whatever, but everyone in there is very fun and respectful. And so many are like, I'm so glad I found a place that yeah. I can say these things. Well, definitely. I commend you for that. I think any anything that we can do to build community, you were talking about earlier, the part that you might miss from church of the potlucks and the, right. the community building that that really brings people. And as we do these things in a secular environment, I think it's just super valuable. So I think that that's great. I do too. It's something that we've lost, but we can rebuild in different ways. So Karen, you've just said it, but any other ways that people can get in touch with you on social media or or how would you like them to contact you? We would really love, like you did, if people didn't hear the podcast where we read your ridiculous, funny letter (laughs) about being part of Action House. We love to read people's true, short, funny stories. They can go to our website, Deconversion Therapy Podcast, and we have a little form they can fill out. Uh, we can mention their names. We cannot. Doesn't matter. And just give us something funny. Uh, uh, one that I could not stop laughing at was a Christian college and a group of girls who tricked one of the girls in their dorm by everyone left their clothes like they had just been raptured oh, out of no. them <laughs> everywhere. A robe with slippers, uh, you know, just everything. And she came in and looked. So she went to another room and they had done the same thing. So they had a far (laughs) reaching prank till the girl was like screaming and, and uh, RA ran up saying, what's wrong? And she's like, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. (laughs) Um, You know, why aren't you raptured? 
So just oh, anything, we love to get those. We're starting to compile them into episodes of their own now. Okay. We're calling letter sodes. So we have another one coming out, I think, in the next week or two. Hope to do those once a month. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a blast. Again, I applaud you. And it's great to find this community online where I think most of us, the internet is a big reason we're seeing so many deconversion people these days. Yeah. That's where the facts are. And that's where the community is that says you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Final thoughts on the episode. Karen's story is amazing, and I love the fresh humor that she brings to reflecting back on her previous faith. As I point out often in these kinds of episodes, it's important to remember how significant her faith was to her in the beginning to basically sell everything and move to a foreign country was a big deal. And yet, with hindsight, she says, What she really got called to was adventure, meaning, purpose, travel, and helping people. I think that's a great perspective on her time with YWAM. I also appreciate that she recognized that latter part of Mark, Mark chapter 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That this was basically the reason she went to Thailand, went into the mission field, and yet she discovered later that that passage is not even in the earliest manuscripts. And I appreciate her uh, self-deprecating perspective on that. Her deconstruction when she got a hold of Bart Ehrman's misquoting Jesus is probably a common one as well, as we have been told all our lives about the authority and inerrancy even of the scriptures and to recognize that these were written by human beings with human foibles uh, begins to really tear down the rigidity with which we held previous views. On the topic of comedy as therapy, uh, another quote I love from Karen is, we're laughing, we're okay. You can laugh at these things. You're going to be okay. And that's really the message of Karen and Bonnie's podcast, Deconversion Therapy, is that we can laugh at these things. We can recognize the, the craziness and the gaslighting. And as we laugh at them, we're able to let go of whatever trauma we may have experienced from evangelicalism. I want to thank Karen for coming on the podcast and sharing her unique sense of humor, her fresh take on what it's like to grow up evangelical and to deconstruct and deconvert. For all two of you who are not already familiar with the Deconversion Therapy podcast, please go and check them out. They're available on all the major podcast sources. I'll have links in the show notes for the Deconversion Therapy podcast, as well as their Facebook group and Instagram and Twitter pages. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next time on the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Time for some footnotes. The song is a track called Waves by Micaiah Beats. Please check out her music. Links will be in the show notes. If you'd like to help support the podcast, here are the ways you can go about that. First, help promote it. A podcast audience grows by word of mouth. 
If you found it useful or just entertaining, please pass it on to your friends and family. Post about it on social media so that others can find it. Please rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This will help raise the visibility of our show. Join me on the podcast. Tell your story. Have you gone through a faith transition? You want to tell that to the world? Let me know and let's have you on. Do you know someone who needs to tell their story? Let them know. Do you have criticisms about atheism or humanism, but you're willing to have an honesty contest with me? Come on the show. If you have a book or a blog that you want to promote, I'd like to hear from you. Also, you can contribute technical support. If you are good at graphic design, sound engineering, or marketing, please let me know and I'll let you know how you can participate. And finally, financial support. There will be a link on the show notes to allow contributions which would help defray the cost of producing the show. If you want to get in touch with me, you can Google Graceful Atheist, or you can send email to gracefulatheist at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at gracefulatheist, or you can just check out my website at gracefulatheist.wordpress.com. Get in touch and let me know if you appreciate the podcast. Well, this has been the Graceful Atheist Podcast. My name is David, and I am trying to be the Graceful Atheist. Grab somebody you love and tell them how much they mean to you. This has been the Graceful Atheist Podcast. <laughs>